Hey guys, if you like this podcast, if you appreciate any of the episodes and have found them helpful to you, would you please do me a favor and go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review? Those reviews really help this podcast reach more people, so I would so appreciate that. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast, and I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics, and you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I want to share with you guys one of my all-time favorite companies. I'm passionate about this company. I've been using them for over three years, and they make some of the cleanest and most affordable personal care products for the entire family, personal care and wellness products. So they have herbal remedies and tinctures. They have personal care products. My husband and myself use their deodorant on a daily basis. And most recently, they've launched a home care cleaning line, which we now have transitioned pretty much all of our cleaning products over to their their cleaning products. So we use their cleaning spray and their dishwasher detergent and their laundry detergent and their dishwashing soap. And we have been so impressed with not only the quality and simplicity of their products, but also the affordability and small company, family-owned company experience that we get when we shop with them. So the company is Earthly and they are just phenomenal. You can go shop at earthly.com and earthly is spelled E-A-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com slash R-E-F slash T Kulik. Alternatively, you can thank me for your checkout. Um, Thank you. Thank me for your order in the checkout section. And you can use the code Taylor10 to save 10% off your first order. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Today I have Dr. Missy Greider joining me to discuss body image and how we can help our children build a positive body image. This conversation was really important, I think, especially if you are a caregiver. Uh, Dr. Missy Greider is the founder of Meeting Kids Needs, a new research-based online social and emotional learning course that helps parents teach their children how to handle their feelings, especially their tough feelings. Dr. Greider brings over 30 years of elementary school and university teaching experience to this important work. Dr. Greider is also the developer of the Body Safety Box, an evidence-based child abuse prevention educational kit that has served children in 31 states and four countries to date. So I think you will find this conversation very, very informative and powerful. So without further ado, let's get to this interview. Dr. Missy Greider is here with us. Missy, thank you so much for joining us. Would you mind first just introducing yourself um, to the listeners and telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, thank you so much for having me today, Taylor. I'm so glad to be with you. I help parents to help their kids handle their feelings, especially their tough feelings. Early in my career, when I taught first and second graders, I wanted to create classrooms where kids felt really seen, known, welcomed, and valued. And unfortunately, 
Fortunately, Taylor, I feel like we've turned our kids into test scores who aren't known at many schools as well as they could be, and we can do better for our kids. Research shows that social and emotional learning and health are actually the greatest predictors of relational and professional success in adulthood. And this catches many parents off guard because it's not where they're focusing their efforts. It's not about all the academics, all the extracurriculars. And of course, these have value, but it's the human skills that our kids need most and are sadly taught the least. And this is why I do the homework for parents. Meeting Kids Needs is my latest project where I review the latest research on important social and emotional learning topics. I create short and really easy to watch video lessons with super practical action-oriented steps for parents to really apply the research into your home and get the results you want for your kids. Meeting Kids Needs online video course also gives parents fun, hands-on activities to do together with their children, along with an hour of group coaching with me every month for a full year. Meeting Kids Needs is a research-backed, doable, one-stop shop for teaching your children the human skills they need to flourish in life and ultimately transform your family's emotional legacy. That's amazing. Thank can you, you. Can you tell us more about the work that you do surrounding children and developing a positive body image specifically? Yes, yes. So Taylor, I approach body image from a social and emotional learning perspective. A big piece of social and emotional learning is helping our kids develop self-awareness and having an accurate self-perception and a healthy body image is part of being self-aware. And in reviewing the research, when I was creating the Meeting Kids Needs Signature course, I learned just how important body image is. You know, so much of my work had focused on emotions and emotion regulation and thinking patterns and worth and identity, though I learned just how important body image is to even really young kids as early as preschool age. And a study of 10-year-olds named body image as kids' number one worry. And this led me to make the body image lesson the first lesson in the Meeting Kids Needs course as really a foundation for helping our kids to develop a healthy self-awareness. Wow, that's surprising that that- Isn't it? Yeah, that's really concerning. Very much so, isn't it? Yes. Can you give us a definition of what body image is specifically that you're talking about? And then also, what does a review of the research teach us about our kids and body image? Sure. So body image is defined as a person's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors toward their body. And Taylor, body image really matters. Research tells us that body image is really interwoven with key aspects of both children's and adults' physical and emotional well-being. And poor body image has been associated with so many outcomes that we just don't want for our kids, including depression, eating disorders, overuse of cosmetic surgery, obesity, and unhealthy weight loss behaviors. And poor body image perception is closely related to low self-esteem. So let's take a look at just a brief review of what the research is telling us on where our kids are with developing their body image. And we want our kids not only to be satisfied with their bodies, but to really appreciate how wonderfully they're made. Our kids are made in God's image and how can we really help to instill that in them in an early age? So one theme in the research is body image is learned very young. Children are aware of body issues and methods to control body size and appearance by preschool age. So I know, isn't that just 
it's just shocking really. Mm -hmm. And I saw a recent study on pre-K kids. So our three to five-year-olds, they were being read some children's literature, some children's books. And these young kids were more likely to see the overweight character as the mean character in the books. So these pre-K kids, they were already imposing negative character qualities on the overweight character. Wow. You know, so just so disheartening. I mean, we wouldn't want any child to be ostracized or made fun of for their weight. And these things are already happening as early as pre-K. So, you know, it's just something for us to be so aware of as parents with our kids. And body image dissatisfaction could be identified in children as young as six years of age. And for girls, six to seven-year-old girls in this study, they rated their ideal body type as significantly thinner in a way that five-year-old girls did not. So this study is suggesting that between the ages of five and six, there may be some significant developments in girls' perception of body image. So it appears that very young girls around first grade age are already ready developing some body image perceptions. Wow. So just super young. And I started yeah. my career, you know, teaching first and second graders, and I didn't have that information all those years ago. So just so interesting to know that this is happening so young for our kids. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So another theme in the research is body image is very important to young children. By the age of 10, around one third of girls and 22% of boys say how their bodies look is their number one worry. Wow. You know, just so surprising. Isn't it horrible? It's the, and yet you think culturally, it, it almost makes sense with all, all of the images that we're all bombarded with. Right. But it's yet, it's at the same time, you know, just so upsetting for us as moms. And age 10, Taylor, is the average age when kids start dieting. So, oh, wow. yep, yep. So one in four children aged between seven and 10 years old have already dieted to lose weight with restrictive dietary behaviors. So that's 25% of pretty young kids who have already dieted. And there's more research studying girls and body image than there is for boys, though body image is impacting our boys too, not just our girls. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to just share a little bit on the difference between girls and boys. How does that sound? Yeah, that'd be great. Great. So for girls, as we would imagine, the ideal is thinner. And for girls, the quote, thin ideal refers to the concept of the ideally slim female body. It's a slender feminine figure with a small waist and little body fat. And most recently, this ideal has been described and expanded as the thin muscular ideal, also having feminine muscular definition. So not only thin, but now having appropriate female muscular definition. Mm -hmm. And for boys, the ideal for them, of course, is muscular and they want to be tall. And in one study, boys were asked to choose ideal images from a set of drawings. And our boys can place importance on overall body size as well as function with larger bodies being seen as more capable or more useful than smaller bodies for boys. So, mm. and some boys too described a dislike of images that appeared to be overweight. And that goes along with that study that I mentioned on the pre-K kids with, you know, attributing negative character qualities to an overweight character. So really that overweight thing is showing up a lot in, in the research, which is, which is concerning. And for our boys, male action figures have measurements that exceed even the biggest bodybuilders. So it's not just our girls that are seeing unrealistic, you know, portrayals in the media, but, and in their toys, but it's the boys too. 
And the ideal, the ideal male body is growing more muscular with an athletic and a lean ideal. And as I mentioned, there's less research on boys and body image, though I did find studies stating that for adult men, appearance satisfaction was the second stronger, strongest predictor of life satisfaction behind only satisfaction with their financial situation. Wow. And I wouldn't have thought that for, for a grown man, would you? No, I, not I, at all. Me either. So just super surprising. I mean, this is impacting all of us, you know, across ages, across both genders. So just super interesting. And for our boys, they are more likely to see themselves as underweight and they can be overly focused on bulking up. And nearly 18% of adolescent boys, according to one study, are concerned about their bodies and their weight. And among these young guys, half wanted to gain more muscle, while a third wanted to gain muscle and get thinner. So, and the most common desire too among older boys is to develop six pack abs, which guys can hold up as the gold standard of masculinity, our young guys. Mm, yeah. You might be getting to this. I might be jumping ahead a little bit and I, you kind of touched on some of it, but what is causing all of this? Do you think, I mean, obviously it's the media representation, probably social sure. media, but what else sure. do you think is causing this? You know, a lot of it is the social media and the, and the media, and I'm going to go extensively into that on how okay. we can help our kids to develop a healthy body image. I have three specific steps for that. And a big part of that is really helping our kids to develop critical thinking about the media, giving them direct high quality instruction, just like anything else that we want our kids to learn. We need to provide them with high quality teaching and not just default into whatever is around them culturally, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. right. And it's really to those, those little pieces of information we give our kids over time. It's those multiple, multiple, you know, narratives that we start to build for our kids over time and not just having a one big talk about body image and oh let's look at the media this one time it's those matter of fact things in our daily conversation that make such a positive big impact for kids when when they're done intentionally oh yeah yeah um i grew up with a mom who it seemed like she was constantly trying to lose weight or on one diet or the other or and I mean, so I know that's really common. I know that's a common experience. I'm not Very alone in that. So. And it Very definitely so. impacted my relationship with my body. Like thinking as a woman, I'm supposed to just be like trying to get a smaller body all the time or be yes. getting fit or eating less to get fit. Um, yes. So can you talk a little bit more about that specifically? Like what does the research say about moms and daughters when it comes to their body image? Yes. And this is huge. This is huge, Taylor. Our own body image as moms has a massive impact on our kids' body image, specifically on our daughter's body image. So how about if I share specifically about moms and daughters? How does that sound? Yeah, great. Good. So studies are really clear about that. And the good news is that gives us so much hope to have a positive impact on our kids, but we've got to get really, really intentional or it'll default in the wrong direction. So here are a few uh, results from some studies about moms and daughters and body image. So this goes along with what you were saying with your own mom. If your daughter thinks that you think that losing weight will make you more beautiful as a grown adult woman, then chances are she's going to think that. And those little sighs and comments and grumblings that we make as moms about our own bodies really matter. So when your daughter hears you say things like, oh, last year's jeans don't fit anymore, you know, she is more likely to dislike her body and to try weight loss techniques, even in girls as young as grades four through six. 
And when moms make comments, whether on purpose or not, about their own weight and weight loss, this was related to a decrease in their daughter's value of her own body. So, you know, the, the research is really consistent on moms and girls and how important a mom's view is of herself and how careful and intentional we have to be on our, with our own language. In studies interviewing moms, most of the moms weren't totally thrilled about how they looked and were not surprised there. And they tried to hide it from their daughters, but even what the moms thought they hid, the daughters knew it anyway. Wow. So super interesting. Our body image as adult women and as moms is so impactful for our kids that I start our meeting kids needs body image lesson in the signature meeting kids needs course with this question for moms. So think through this. When you honestly think about your own body, what are the first three unfiltered thoughts that come to your mind? So that's a question that I pose to all moms. And unfortunately, for nearly all of us as moms, there is some significant body image dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. Studies tell us that over 90%, and I've seen as high as 97% of American women are dissatisfied with their bodies. So almost all of us are dissatisfied with our bodies. And yet we're in the position of needing to help our children develop a positive body image. And we don't want to pass these negative message, messages onto our girls. So there's a huge opportunity for us as moms to get super intentional about the way we look at our own bodies and really change that narrative for ourselves and for our kids and specifically for our girls. And there's so much hope to have a positive impact on our girls. And Taylor, I came across Dr. Hillary McBride's research and her work is really helpful, specific to moms and daughters and their body image. So she's a therapist and a researcher and an author, and she recovered from her own eating disorder. And one thing I appreciate about her work is she wanted to study girls, daughters who have a positive body image when their moms didn't necessarily have a positive body image, which is most of us as, as we're seeing. And these moms were able to turn it around for their girls and give their girls more than what they had. And she wanted to study what went right. You know, I think so many times that the studies are looking at what went wrong. Let's study what went right so that we can duplicate that. Doesn't that just make a ton of sense? Mm -hmm. So Dr. McBride wanted to understand how to help a daughter to love her body from the get-go. And there are a lot of women, and we just want to know that there's another way to live besides being constantly bombarded with thoughts of how bad we look and how ashamed we are of our bodies. You know, think about all the energy <laughs> that goes into that when it could be better spent on something so much better for ourselves. So really those millions of small moments that add up over time are really going to help our girls in creating a positive body image. And Dr. McBride studied mom's stories of being aware of how dissatisfied they were with their own bodies and wanting to instill in their daughters that their daughters were beautiful, even though the moms had never heard it from their own moms. Mm -hmm. So they were purposefully trying to change that messaging for their daughters. And there's so much self-awareness there and self-compassion that we can all extend to ourselves. You know, doesn't that just make sense? Just getting real, really real and honest and doing the work for ourselves so that we can pass along a better story to our girls. And in her survey research, Dr. McBride um, gave moms and daughters just a couple sentence starters. So one of them is my body is blank and women's bodies are blank. And for some of the moms, 
it was like, my body is fat. My body is old. My body is, you know, not good enough, but yet it was women's bodies are amazing. Women's bodies are sacred. Women's bodies are incredible. So it's just seeing the difference in talking about their own body and women's bodies in general, you know? So how can we attribute some of those positive qualities to ourselves? So really, really some important messages there. Uh, how can we help our daughters? How can we as women learn to appreciate and feel beauty within ourselves and in others without letting it take away from the other equally important parts of ourselves and instill that in our children? So that's really a key question is how do we do that? Our beauty isn't all we are, but yet it's important too. And also, you know, looking at emotional safety, how important that is. As moms, we can bring into the world for our kids and for ourselves, all of the things we deeply needed when we were growing up, but perhaps a lot of us didn't have. So in our society, there's just that impossible, unattainable form of perfection and a focus on that. And if there's an overemphasis on that, we risk not ever learning who we really are. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so what if from the very beginning as a mom, we can help our daughters discover who they are and love it and be fundamentally aware of and okay with who they are. We can't ignore body image. We can't ignore it because when we're telling our daughter who she is, we do need to address her looks and her body. And that's just one important part of her, but it's not all of who she is. She has a heart, a brain. She's a friend. She's a learner. She's a creator. We can affirm our children's worth and positive qualities, both internal and external daily. And those are those positive messages that are going to add up over time instead of, you know, not addressing the whole body image thing. And then it defaults into what's going on in the culture. And we know that that's not going to, that's not going to help our girls at all. So there was this theme too, among all of the healthy young women who developed a positive body image, that their moms did an awesome job with them. And even though, you know, some negative body dissatisfied comments snuck through from the moms to their girls, the daughters took note of that. And they recalled those as exceptions because they were by and large, the exceptions, the daughters felt like their moms were so consistent in affirming how they spoke to them about their own beauty, that when anything else or different was said, they were able to pick it out right away. And they were able to think critically. And that thinking critically is really a key part in all of this. They were able to see the discrepancy in the stories and probably in part why they were able to be so healthy and to love themselves as they could pick that out, you know, with having critical thinking. So really moms telling the truth about themselves to their daughters, telling the truth to their daughter about who she is. And there are a lot of messages cir circulated about your daughter, about who she is which aren't a true reflection of her true worth and value and identity. And your daughter needs to hear the truth from you, not just about your own story, but also about hers. And I love this. We all want to belong. It's a universal human need. We mm -hmm. all want to belong and we all want to know that we're good enough. And as girls and as women, we can be told that belonging and enoughness comes from how we look. For women in our culture, and increasingly even for boys and young men, Taylor, a lot of our worth can come down to how we look unless that message is actively changed from a really intentional mom. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Thank you. And women are told over and over again that they can get their worth through looking a certain way. And unless a girl learns otherwise, unless she's actively taught otherwise, this is going to be the case. So making sure that we're really providing that active, intentional, purposeful instruction daily over time, affirming our child's internal and external positive qualities. Yeah. I love that. So important. I think about this with my own daughter because, you know, when we're in public, people are always commenting on her appearance. Oh, she's yes. so beautiful. She's so, yes. and so it's, it's the other kind of extreme of this is right. Reflecting on or commenting on somebody's beauty and how, you know, how pretty they are and they look like a doll. And what messages does that send to our children when they're getting those messages? You know, it's, we don't want her to focus on beauty and she's so beautiful as the only thing that matters. We don't, we try not to comment on that. We try to tell her you're smart and you're brave and you're strong and you're kind and those sorts of things. Yeah. So it's hard to kind of find that balance. Sure. And you can still affirm those wonderful messages about her external beauty. And what you're doing is so great too, of, of affirming those internal qualities too, Mm -hmm. because they're all so important. They're all so important. Yeah. You've mentioned that there are three steps based on research to help our children develop a positive body image. So can you share more about these steps? Sure, sure. I'd love to. Thank you. So here are those steps and I'll expand on each one. So step one in helping our kids to develop a positive body image, be aware of and intentional with your own body image story and language surrounding your own body. We can all work to eliminate fat talk and instead promote the healthy ideal. So that's step one. Step two, we can help our child develop critical thinking with the media. And this involves direct communication and direct teaching, modeling, and really putting up protective boundaries with the media. And step three in helping our kids to develop a positive body image, we can help our kids form a new positive narrative for his or her body with a secure attachment to you as a base. So attachment is so important in all of this. And we can also help to teach emotion regulation skills. And that's really important and a distinction in helping our kids form a positive body image. So let's look at each of these three with some more detail and get just super practical on day to day. What can we do to turn this around for our kids? Mm -hmm. So step one, be aware of and intentional with your own body image story and language surrounding your own body work to eliminate fat talk and instead promote the healthy ideal and children absolutely pick up on how we as adults talk about our own bodies. And this is such an important piece to be aware of. So pay close attention that the language you use about your own body is positive and the whole fat talk definition, like what does fat talk mean? So it's a term used to describe really commiserative or negative disparaging comments about one's appearance and the need to lose weight. So fat talk is defined as any speech that either implicitly or explicitly reinforces the thin ideal standard of female beauty. And this would include comments, something like this, Taylor. So, oh, do I look fat in this? And oh my gosh, you look great. Have you lost weight? And so even three to five minutes of fat talk can significantly increase body dissatisfaction. And for sure, we don't want this type of conversation around our children. And, you know, think how often you're at an event with your kids or you're on the soccer field or the baseball field. And how often does mom's conversation with one another default to the fat talk? You know, it's just kind of this go-to 
commiserative body hatred type thing. And we can instead work to eliminate fat talk. And it can really feel like kind of this false bonding with women where they're sharing these hate, these stories of body hatred. And instead, how can we really purposefully talk about life-giving things and things that really make a difference in the world instead of, wow, my jeans are too tight, you know? Right. So just really some, some more positive conversation. Also too, in the research, there is some talk about really embracing age-related changes and thinking about, I mean, I'm full-blown in middle age by now, but thinking about the whole term anti-aging, that doesn't even make sense. That isn't even possible, you know? Right. Instead, how can we flip that into healthy aging? How can our bodies feel good as we all get older? How can we take good care of our bodies and honor our bodies? And even the daughters in Dr. McBride's work, they were talking about how they don't want for their moms to always be pining after that 25-year-old version of themselves that they used to be, you know? Like even a, a you know younger daughter doesn't want that for her mom. Isn't that interesting too? Mm -hmm. So uh, the healthy ideal instead refers to how your own unique body looks when you're doing all of the things necessary to really take good care of yourself, to maximize your physical health, your emotional health, your mental health, your quality of life, your spiritual health. And in, instead, isn't that such a positive message? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I ran across to a researcher named Dr. Carolyn Becker. She's a professor and she works with college age young women specifically on preventing eating disorders. And her work was really interesting. And I loved the questions that she asked. And I thought of this so much for myself too. How much time and energy have we spent worrying and ruminating about our appearance? Mm. Literally, collectively over time, how so much, much life energy has been spent on that? I know for me, I've spent a lot of time thinking, oh, if I was just a little bit prettier, well, what a waste of time, you know, right. it's like, I look how I look, God made me how he made me. I can take good care of myself. And of course, put in an appropriate amount of effort into what I look like and my physical health and all of that. But then there's a stopping point to it, you know, instead of yeah. ruminating and constantly thinking about it. So what if instead we spent this time thinking about life-giving things and talking with our mom friends and our girlfriends about life-giving things? Wouldn't that be a better use of our life energy, you know? Mm -hmm. So sure. definitely, definitely. So step one is being aware of and intentional with your own body image story and your language surrounding your own body. We're working to eliminate fat talk and we're instead promoting the healthy ideal. Then we're getting into step two. That's helping our children. To Missy, sorry, could I interrupt you? Could, oh, I, course, could I ask a question about step one? Yes. So I love yes. everything you said. I totally agree with it. I think what Thank I you. keep thinking of is, you know, it's so hard. Like, how do we find the balance between, between um, healthy and like, talking about losing weight, because sometimes there are actually instances where someone might need to lose weight to be it's healthy it's and true. like maybe needs, you know, needs to exercise more. So I try yes. to focus on language like, oh, I'm exercising to be strong and to make my body feel good. Right. But I'm just wondering what that, what that might look like. Like if you could give us some practical examples, because I do think in society, we've almost swung to this opposite extreme at times Agreed. where we're not Agreed. allowed to talk about weight at all, but weight right. is a, a, a factor of health. It is absolutely a factor of health. It is absolutely a, a factor of health. And I think the language that you just shared 
is really accurate and spot on that, you know, I'm exercising so that my body will feel well, so that I'm stronger, so that I go through life feeling good. I think that is super appropriate language. And honestly, somebody who is 50 pounds, hundred pounds overweight, they're not healthy. And of course you can love yourself as a human being, but yet be working toward having your body be healthier and feel healthier, et cetera. Cause that isn't an internally healthy body. You know, your heart is working too hard. Your organs are working too hard and there are really poor health outcomes associated with that. So yeah. I think, I think the type of language that you mentioned is really appropriate and really in line with what this research is, is suggesting and supporting. Yeah. Misty, I'm just wondering, cause I, I talk about this sometimes too, like not just the weight issue, but also like the food issue. I think there's more and more movements to it's, you know, people call it food shaming, like talking about how some foods are not so good for our body and some foods are better for our body. And then this idea that we really can't focus on weight and, and that's not a marker of health. And really those are kind of lies. And so I feel I like know. there has to be a balance. Am I the only one seeing that? Or do you see that happening too? Like, I want to be truthful with my kids but we can yes. frame it like you're saying in a more positive way about choosing foods that are nourishing to our bodies and, yes. and things that make our body healthy and well and feel good and things. I'm just wondering if you're seeing these patterns too. I a thousand percent see it. Yes, I really do. And I, it, it makes total sense. And another thing I'm seeing too, and I, you know, it's just those treat foods. So treat foods are foods that make us feel bad and have are associated with poor outcomes, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a tough one too. And of course, you know, there's a time and a place to have a little bit of something that isn't, I think they're more like the occasional foods, you know, it's, right. it's just tough messaging for all of us to kind of wrap our heads around. And we're all just in a kind of a growth and learning curve and doing the best we can with it. But it, just really being intentional about it and focusing on how can we best care for the bodies that God gave us? Yeah. You know, how can we best care and honor the bodies that God gave us that are, you know, this earthly tent for our souls, yeah. you know, and how can we do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do? We we need a healthy body to do that in, you know, yeah. I mean, my, my precious dad retired at age 83 because he mm -hmm. was doing his good works as a, as a university professor at that advanced age. So, I mean, thinking through how can we honor our God-given body? body. That's, that's a good place to look at too, with our kids. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that the food you eat defines who you are as a person or makes no, you a bad person. It's not that your size makes you a bad person, but no. I think really we've just come from this place of a lot of shaming yes. surrounding these topics yes. to the opposite yes. side where we can't talk about it at all. And we really just need this good middle ground where we can be truthful and compassionate. Agree. 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 And also too, if we think about, you know, social and emotional learning, we think about the emotions, how much of the issues that are going on surrounding food, it's a coping mechanism for emotions that yeah. we don't know how to deal with, you know? So let's look at that. I mean, that's really where it, one of the root causes of all of the food issues, you know, yeah. The, the trauma, the inability to emotionally regulate in a healthy way. So I think that's, that's a really solid place to look to is like underneath it. What's the, what's the why underneath all of that? I think that's an important place for us to look as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how about getting back to um, the media? Because that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so step two, 
in helping our kids to create that body, that positive body image, helping our child to develop critical thinking with the media. And this involves direct communication and direct teaching and modeling and putting up protective boundaries with the media. So media in general, you know, TV, print, everything, and social media in particular. And honestly, Taylor, I'm grateful I didn't grow up with social media. You know, and our kids have so many more pressures than we did. You know, for me, it was pressure enough growing up with the 90s supermodels, you know, seriously. So now our kids are bombarded with so many more images. So just like anything else that we want our children to learn, we need to offer them high quality teaching. And I think that can be part of the missing piece is so often we're just, we're not sure quite what to say with this. So it defaults to culture and that's the place we don't want to go. We need to be really really more proactive with our kids and offer them high quality teaching. So I was looking for, you know, what are some evidence-based research-based programs to really teach our kids some healthy body image, you know, instruction. And I read a program about a program in the UK. I didn't see much going on in, in the United States, but I read about a program in the UK where they were getting some good results. And the nine-year-olds in their classrooms were receiving some body image instruction in school. And the kids there were able to point out that ads had been photoshopped. And one child, uh, he said when he saw ads, now he laughs and he says to himself, oh, not very likely. <laughs> so, you know, once <laughs> kids that. are given some instruction, you know, they can see this and they, it increases their ability to, to think critically. Mm-hmm. So kids in this program also participated in an activity using cards with drawings on them of children where they were talking about two boys who each had a very different body image. One kid was happy. One of these cartoon kids was happy with the way he looked and the other was unhappy. And after a class discussion about the two boys feelings, they turned the cards over to see what the two boys looked like. And they realized it was the same boy. So kind of making that ability and creating that ability to see that body image is separate from how a person actually looks and everyone can develop a positive body image and learn to take good care of their body. So I think that's where we can kind of shift some of the focus is how can we care for our bodies? How can we honor our bodies and really care for them in a beautiful and loving way? And part of this too with the media is really deliberately pointing out distortions in the images that you see when you're with your child. So in a matter of fact way, in your daily conversation, you can say things like, wow, that picture was changed to make that girl's skin look perfectly smooth. People's skin has, you know, people's real skin has little bumps or freckles, or that superhero has huge muscles. People's muscles can't get that huge in real life. That's pretend. So just pointing that out the way they did in that UK, you know, mm-hmm. program in the, in the classrooms. And then with the media also, university students. So some young college age women, there's a link between how they feel about themselves as women, their desire to be more thin and the media they consume, which we're not surprised. You know, that's, right. we're seeing so much on, uh, you know, the higher your use of social media, it's proportionally increasing the rates of anxiety and depression. So we know these things. So we've just got to be really careful with them. Also to Taylor in a study of 14 year old girls, and these were girls with a positive body image, they were able to be critical against the ideals of women's bodies portrayed in the media. And they were able to describe these as unnatural and unrealistic. So again, the critical thinking, the critical thinking is huge in helping our kids to develop that. So all of the young girls in that study, they could see the media. And I love this phrase with their eyes wide open and their thinking caps on. Mm-hmm. 
So just super important there. So we're directly communicating, we're modeling, we're putting up protective boundaries with the media, and we're not limiting a person's value to what they look like. I remember hearing this from, from Beth Moore, you know, Bible teacher years ago. She's like, we are in a scary place if our value is in our desirability. Yeah. You know, because mm -hmm. as an 80 year old woman, that's not going to happen. And we're all no. going to be 80 one day. You know, we've all got the same amount of time in our twenties and thirties. So we've Hence got the anti-aging. It's the anti-aging. Yeah. We right. can't accept What's that. It? We are all going to age. It is an, inev an inevitable, inevitable part yes. of life. Yes. Um, we're kind of, I think pe people are kind of in denial about it. I know. It's weird. I know. It is. It is strange. for sure. Yeah. So, you know, the whole media literacy, it, it, it's a huge part of having a healthy body image and the ability to critically analyze what's portrayed in the media. Also to the American Psychological Association, they recommend what they call mediation, which is you're getting in between your kids and the media that your kids consume and you're commenting, it in, you're commenting on it, excuse me, in such a way that it makes your child think about it differently. And the American Psychological Association also talks about co-viewing. So when we know about this, having the TV in a public place in your home, the computers in a public place in your home, the iPads, and, and those things will help your child to better think critically about the media when you're not around. So just to recap, step one, we're aware and intentional of our own body image story and our language surrounding our own body. We're working to eliminate fat talk and we're instead promoting the healthy ideal. Step two, all about developing the critical thinking with the media. We're directly communicating with our kids, you know, on that day-to-day -day basis. We're directly teaching, we're modeling, we're putting up protective boundaries with the media, including social media. And step three, we're helping our child to form a new positive narrative for his or her body with a secure attachment to you as the mom, as the base. And we're also helping to teach emotion regulation skills. So here we want to think about secure attachment. We want to think about embodiment. We want to think about spirituality. We want to think about care for our bodies and boundaries with our bodies. So this is super interesting, Taylor. A study showed links between a young woman's attachment style with her mother and if she was dissatisfied with her body. Hmm. So anxiously attached daughters. So an anxious attachment, this refers to a girl who's thinking high in, in this study, girls were saying, who thought highly of others, thought negatively of themselves and were worried about being abandoned. So these anxiously attached daughters, they were more likely to idealize and internalize the images of thin women in the media and feel more poorly about themselves. Wow. So just that, that anxious attachment. So and instead we want to go for the, of course, the secure attachment. So for moms, this can remind you how important you are. Your daughter needs you not to be perfect, but to be there for her in whatever ways you can. She needs to know that you love her, that you're there for her, that you'll never stop loving her. Even if she's acting in a way at times that can look frustrating or moody, she needs to know that you will never abandon her physically or emotionally. So just that whole secure attachment. And at the end of the day, if we really think about it, Taylor, what is all this wanting to be beautiful about? At the end of the day, I think it's about, we just want to be loved. Yeah. Can I get an amen on that? You know, yeah, I think that's, true. that's the root. We just want to be loved. And we're thinking, okay, if I can just 
look a certain way, I'm going to be properly loved. If I can, or I, if I can just look a certain way, I'll get the level of belonging I want. So just really naming what it is, I think can help us to get it better at the roots and help to better meet that basic human need in a way that actually makes sense in a way that's actually healthy and productive, you know? Yeah. Well, and it makes sense. I mean, attachment, attachment really, um, changes your entire life. It can change a person's Absolutely. entire life. And Absolutely. if you think about it, if you, if you don't feel like you have that connection, you don't feel like you have that secure attachment with anybody and you've never had that, then right. your priority will always be in some way on some level to get that mean net. A thousand percent. And if you feel secure and you have a secure attachment with a parent, then you won't need to get that need met. I mean, you always need that need met, but it's different because your priority isn't on that all the time. So that is really, yeah, that is really interesting how it kind of um, plays out in different scenarios. Yes. Yes. And you know, this is just coming to my head too, as, as we're talking about this. And of course, you know, my own doctoral work, et cetera, I've, I've, done a ton of learning around the attachment bond between a mom and a child. And of course, in your work with, with infants and and young kids, you, you are really well-versed in that. But one thing I'm learning about, and I'm just a learner in it, I'm not an expert in it by, by any means, but I'm a learner and I want to know more. I'm learning more about, and this is through Dr. Jim Wilder's work through Dallas Willard's work, just getting, having your primary attachment bond move from your parent to God which is just mm-hmm. so interesting. So when you bring your, your faith to Jesus, that primary attachment becomes a spiritual attachment to God. And that's just so interesting. And that was kind of a newer concept for me, which, you know, I've, I, I'm a believer. I, I love God, but I had never thought of, wow, my primary attachment can really be to God. Because if you yeah. think about it, you know, your mate could die before you you know, your parents will highly likely die before you, you know, and just the only one who's really never going to leave you and never forsake you is Jesus Christ. Yeah. So how, how can we as moms help to foster that attachment with our kids? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, I mean, yeah, it's totally true. And it's a super interesting way to think about it that I think we just don't think about very much, but it's, it's absolutely true. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so interesting. And then you know, just to go back to, to where we are with, with attachment and some of these other concepts, we're hearing a lot now about the term embodiment. I mean, are you just hearing that being talked about a lot as I am just embodiment and, and what does I that mean? I haven't heard it too much. Okay. I, I, I mean, that is. It. Yeah. Let me, let me talk a little bit about that. So embodiment it's refers to the experience of being a self in and through the body. So not just paying attention only to what our body looks like, but experiencing the strength and how it feels to be alive and how you're a mix of your mind and your body. So not just the external of the body, but embodiment is talking about basically the experience of being the self that's housed inside a body for lack of a better term. So super interesting there. And we really need to take care of our bodies to frame it as we're taking care of our bodies because they're valuable because they're created in God's image. We're taking care of our bodies with gentleness and care. We need to eat nourishing food. We need to rest. Just really taking our self-care to a whole new level of soul care, 
Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, mm-hmm. and our bodies are to be celebrated and honored and enjoyed versus the self-loathing and shame that we can just so easily de- default to, especially as women. And spirituality too is so foundational. And God himself affirms our worth as, as women. God made women the pinnacle of creation. You know, and how can we as women, you know, say to ourselves, I can be beautiful, but not let that be my whole identity. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love this too, Taylor, the differences in our appearance are a reflection of our uniqueness and the creativity of our creator. Love that. Isn't that nice? I love that too, so much. So at the end of the day, all of us as women, our kids, we're all made in God's image. And how can we affirm that for our kids and let that be that underlying foundation for our body images? We're made in God's image. Uh, the American Psychological Association also you know, affirms and says that spirituality and faith practices are protective factors for girls and women. For girls, knowing their worth and being loved by God and their mothers are really protective factors. And this is interesting too, you know, along those lines, eating disorders are highly linked to a limited ability to emotionally regulate, Mm. which is interesting. And it does make sense when you think about it, doesn't it? Because if you have a really limited ability to regulate those difficult or challenging emotions, and I call them challenging or difficult rather than negative quote, because then we think, especially as the quote, good girls, you know, which we're trying to kind of get over that messaging that we think we're not allowed to have them when they're just part of the normal human experience. And if we don't know what to do with these challenging and difficult emotions, the sorrow, the grief, the anger, you know, you can see how that could turn in a, in a unhelpful direction surrounding food. So Emotional regulation is our learned ability to notice and experience our emotions and then respond to them accordingly and to stay in that window of tolerance. And one of the best ways we can love our kids is to give ourselves and them perhaps what we didn't have growing up around all these body image, you know, messages. And none of us have to be perfect to do any of this. None of us are, all of us are going to make mistakes around it. And that's okay. Just having so much grace for ourselves, having so much compassion for ourselves, and just knowing that we're here to learn and grow. And how can we, you know, make things more positive for our kids. And I I love this, Taylor. What if when we saw other people or ourselves in the mirror, we saw a real three-dimensional human being with hopes and wounds and losses and talents and quirks that are unique instead of a person that we just reduced to a series of only physical characteristics, Mm, you know, thank you. Thank you. We can decide, we can choose and decide. We have the agency to quit the game of comparison to prove our worth. And we can free each other and ourselves from this shallow existence, which reduces us to just a couple physical characteristics when really we're so much more. Our bodies are good but our appearance was never meant to be the only way for us to feel lovable. There's so much hope we can change this for our kids, even though we're so not perfect and none of us are, we we're more equipped now with some tools to really give our kids a positive body image narrative. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. That I learned so much from you. That's amazing. That's oh, beautiful. Thank you. I feel like thank it's so kind of this like theme of parenthood, at least for me is always yes. kind of drawing from this place where you don't have the resources because you weren't given those skills. You weren't taught those skills growing up, but still trying to 
teach them to your kids and, and give those things to your kids. And it's really, really hard. Um, but I love it. I love what you said about having grace and having compassion for yourself because yes. we're not perfect and we're not yeah. going to be perfect. Nope. Um, but it is really hard and important work that we're doing as parents when we're trying to kind of break these cycles and giving from basically this place that feels empty in a way. Sure. Sure. You know, I just saw a quote the other day and I love this Taylor. We're basically shortening the learning curve for our kids. Mm, yeah. Doesn't that make sense? So in yeah. all these ways, you know, if we didn't see the type of marriage that, that we want to have modeled, if we didn't have the body image work, you know, modeled, we're just learning as much as we can doing what we can in a way that feels life-giving to us. And it's going to ultimately be life-giving for our kids. And we're shortening their learning curve so that they're going to enter adulthood with more than what we had. And at the end of the day, you know, we're transforming our emotional legacy of our home, our spiritual legacy of our home, et cetera, to the best degree that we can within reason without, you know, running ourselves into the ground at the same time and honoring right. ourselves and, and loving God well, and, and all of the things that we want to do. Yeah. So good. So powerful. Well, Missy, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Would you mind just telling us where we can find you for the people that might want to learn more from you? Sure. Thank you so much. I am active on Instagram at meeting kids needs, and I'm super excited about this part. There is a free lesson available for every listener at meetingkidsneeds.com. So my website is really the best place to go and the first place to go. So head over to meetingkidsneeds.com. Just click on try a free lesson and you'll get it immediately. It's an impactful lesson on building your child's emotional vocabulary. And we talk so much about emotion regulation. So this is really the first place to start for helping your kids to emotionally regulate. And I'm getting tons of positive feedback from, from moms. So I'd love to share that lesson with you. I'm also selecting one listener for one hour of private coaching with me complimentary. And I will choose the winner from the first 500 try a free lesson signups after this episode first airs. So head over to meetingkidsneeds.com and click on try a free lesson to enter right away. You can also use coupon code Taylor at checkout for the best pricing I offer on the meeting kids needs course or Taylor 12 for the payment plan. So meetingkidsneeds.com, click on try a free lesson. That's the place to go to get you started and to get you entered. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing that for us. And I will put that information in the show notes as well. So you can go find that there. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was really, really impactful. Um, so we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one -one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.